Hello and welcome to yet another anime podcast. Just who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninja Boy and I'm yet another anime podcast host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Things are a little bit crazy over here. Uh, the end of the winter season is coming up. And yes, I started uh, uh, researching what to check out in the spring season, as well as potential prequel seasons I might need to check out for some of the sequels coming up. Uh, on top of that, I actually also adopted a new dog this past week. Uh, definitely a bit of a life change that's taken a little bit of getting used to in a lot of my time, but super happy uh, for it. Uh, also, the day this episode goes out, I'm going to go get my first dose of my COVID vaccine. So things are looking up. And on top of all that, you know, on my one of my other podcasts, the Oscars Death Race podcast, we have the nominees for the Academy Awards this year. So there's definitely been a lot of work going there. Sadly, no anime were nominated for Best Animated Pictures this year. So we'll see, you know, if we can get better luck in future years. Uh, so for everything, this, so for this week's episode, since I have so much going on and I haven't had time to actually check out a lot of new series, and even though I fell a little bit behind in watching the seasonal shows, uh, and given that one of the most highly anticipated shows of next season, though it looks like it'll be stuck in Netflix jail, uh, is Salmon King, I figured it's time to do another episode looking at the manga series from Weekly Sonin Jump and my thoughts and experiences with them. Uh, in the past, I did a look at all of the series that ran in Jump from the year 2020, uh, but this week I'm going to do a little bit more retro look, uh, looking at the series from one particular decade. And while I didn't really discover Jump until the 2000s when I found random Tankobon volumes to my local public library as well as online scan license, uh, you know, the series that that I did find were often those from the 90s. And as a 90s baby, how could I not? Uh, obviously, I won't be going over every series from the 90s. According to Wikipedia, there were about 128 series from the, that began in the 90s, much less all of those that began in the 80s or earlier that bled into that decade. Uh, but for most of these series, you know, uh, I'll, I'll just talk about the ones I personally have an experience with. Uh, most of the other series, you know, never made it over to the West, so it even got a fan translation online. Uh, you know, so of course, you know this is going to be a manga-centric discussion. Uh, though I will mention any applicable anime adaptations, and I've seen them. And also, you know, there are going to be some high-level overviews and my own personal histories, more so than in-depth analysis or discussions. Uh, with all that out of the way, let's jump back in time to the '90s uh, for Weekly Sonen Jump. So I'm going to go in chronological order, and the first series I want to pay homage to is Yu Yu Hakusho, translated to Poltergeist Support by one Yoshihiro Togashi. Uh, this began serialization in issue 51 of 1990 and ran for about four years through issue 32 of 1994, with over 100, with 175 chapters collected in 19 volumes. Uh, for those who haven't had the pleasure of encountering this series before, it follows the story of a young delinquent punk, Yusuke Oromeshi, who ends up dying when he saves a young boy from being run over by a car, and he's isekai'd into the afterlife. Or so he would be. The problem is that since he's been a punk, uh, the underworld wasn't really expecting for him to die uh, and hadn't prepared a place for him. Uh, so, you know, they gave him a chance basically to be revived back into his old life. But, you know, now that he's been on the other side, he now has supernatural powers and they enlist him as the underworld detective uh, to investigate supernatural activity in the human world, usually from demons or spirits, you know, making mischief. Uh, so this one sounds more akin to a detective mystery series than what it actually turned out to be. See, Togashi did have an interest in the occult and horror, but after his previous romance series, he was more interested in doing a 
martial arts battle sonen series. So later on, uh, and arguably at its peak, in the dark tournament arc, that essentially set the standard for what superpowered tournament arcs would be in the future. Uh, Uramesi is joined by fellow delinquent Kurabara and two other demons he ends up making allies with, Hiei and Kurama, as they'll make their way through a tournament of demons to face off against the powerful Toguro brothers. Um, there would be other arcs after this, and you know, eventually the series would end on what most would consider to be a somewhat disappointing West endings. Uh, behind the scenes, uh, especially in the last six months, Togashi apparently developed a lot of stress and various back-related health issues, and you can see in later chapters where the art took a turn for the worse and became a lot more minimalist and sketchy. Um, that said, it wasn't cancelled by Jump, uh, because apparently they wanted to keep it going, uh, rather, you know, Tagasi was the one who kind of called it quits. Now, like most of the series, I really remember Yu Yu Hakusho through the manga, uh, either from the scanlations I found online, or as I discovered the internet, or on the out-of-order Tankobon volumes at the library. I was particularly a fan of the power system that Tagasi came up with, uh, and you know, creative combat tricks he integrated into his fights. A hallmark that would follow him to his other series we'll talk about later. I distinctively remember playing with my friends and, and my siblings, being Yusuke with his ray gun or Kurobaro with his fire sword. Uh, in fact, I remember there was this one trip, uh, I forget where and when it was, but um, I think myself or my siblings, we found these keychain, these like uh, phone charms that were essentially the, the characters from Yu Yu Hakusho. Um, and I think I got Yusuke doing his ray gun pose. Um, I think my brother got uh, Kurabara or Hiei, I forget which one, and my sister got Kurama. Uh, now, to be honest, I have not watched uh, through the 112-episode anime series, um, though I do randomly remember um, when I was living in the Philippines back in the late 90s, um, it was airing on the localized Filipino dub uh uh, of Yu Yu Hakusho called Ghost Fighter there. Um, I couldn't understand at all since I didn't understand Tagalog at the time. Uh, and I do remember though, Yusuke was called Eugene and apparently Kurama was originally cast as a girl in the dub because they didn't realize he was a guy and they later had to change the voice actor part partway through. So anyway, that's the first series I wanted to talk about, Yu Yu Hakusho. Um, now after that, you know, there were a number of other small series in the magazine that I'm you know, not super familiar with, but I know I do recognize as having a lasting impact. Uh, the basketball series Slam Dunk, for example, uh, which technically I, I, you know, started a few issues before Yu Yu Hakusho, though it did run for longer. Um, there's also Hell Teacher Nube and Captain Tsubasa. However, it wouldn't be until 1994, uh, shortly before Yu Yu Hakusho ended, that the next jump series I was familiar with would begin. This would be Roni Kenshin. It's the work of Nobuhiro Watsuki that began in the 1994 issue 19 and would continue on through issue 43 of 1999. Uh, 255 chapters total, over 28 volumes. Now, I actually did a feature of this on the Best Animated Show Ever So Far podcast about the history and historical context for the series, but the Cliff Notes version uh, in the Meiji Restoration period, former samurai Himura Kenshin with a cross-shaped scar on his cheek and a reversed blade katana in his hip wanders the countryside and cities before meeting Kamiya Karu, who is being threatened by someone claiming to be the uh, legendary assassin Hitokiri Batosai. Uh, the only problem is that Kenshin is actually the real Batosai, but he's taken a vow to never kill again after the Bakumatsu War. Um, after settling at Karu's dojo, he makes friends with a number of individuals, uh, the orphan Yahiko, former rebel Sanosuke, Dr. Megumi, and faces off against a number of specters from his past, such as the ninja unit of the 
Oniwabasu and real life historical figure Hajime. Uh, the peak of the series, in my opinion, is when he faces down the successor, successor of his assassin title, uh, Sisio Makoto, and his ten swordsmen, the Jupon Katana, uh, in the Kyoto arc. Though the final arc also Remembrance, uh, where he faces Yusuhiko Inisi, who wishes to take revenge on Kenshin for wrongs in the past involving Kenshin's former fiance, um, you know, uh, was also pretty good. Now, again, what really drew me in here was the cleverly constructed fight with each character having their own distinct sword and fighting style that would class in different ways. Uh, my weeby high school self definitely broke more than a few of my mom's umbrellas trying to replicate those sword moves at lunchtime with my friends. Now, speaking of, I also distinctly remember listening to the opening theme song for the, of the anime uh, on my friend's iPod Shuffle that I would borrow for study hall, uh, even though I have not watched any of the 95 episode anime series. Um, again, only reading the manga from the library and online scan license. Shout out to you, Josh. Uh, you know who you are. Now, of course, there's something about being set in historical Japan in the time with ninja and samurai that still captures my imagination. I mean, my moniker is Ninja Boy, after all. Um, and while, you know, so there is some continuation of the story after the main serialization in the 90s. Unfortunately, I do have to disclose that the author of Kenshin, Roni Kenshin was in 2017 charged with child pornography possession charges, uh, which may turn to potential readers away from the series. That being said, if you are one of the kinds like myself who are able to separate author from work, I think there's a beautiful story about the idea of trying to redeem yourself from one's past mistakes and past trauma. Uh, that's definitely worth checking out. Um, also, you know, separate from the manga and the anime, I would say definitely be sure to check out the live action film adaptations of the series. Uh, three of them have been released so far, and the final two are set to release in Japan later this year. They are, bar none, the greatest manga and anime live action adaptations I have ever seen, uh, and act honestly solid movies in their own right separate from the adaptation. Now, from 1994 uh, and Samurai, we jump to 1996 and Ancient Egypt uh, with Yu-Gi-Oh! by Kazuki Takahashi. Uh, running from issue 42 of 1996 through issue 15 of 2004, with 343 chapters in 38 volumes, this series definitely vastly changed over the course of its run. Uh, it started off with Yu-Gi-Moto, a high school boy who loves games thanks to his father's ga grandfather's game store, uh, who's trying to solve the Millennium Puzzle, an ancient Egyptian artifact that his grandfather seems to have you know, stolen from a tomb somewhere without anyone having any problems with it. Um, anyway, he's trying to solve the puzzle and it causes him to become possessed by the spirit known as the King of Games uh, within the puzzle who plays various supernatural games uh, with people who are griefing Yugi and his friends. Um, now, the first 60 chapters or so usually feature these supernatural death games where the penalties are on a surprisingly high number of uh, delinquents are frankly kind of insane and I don't know how this got approved for kids, but okay. Um, now, some of these include natural supernatural dice game, air hockeys on hot griddles with dynamite, and you know ancient Chinese card games, living Tamagotchi, capsule chess monsters, and my personal favorite, uh, a living Dungeons and Dragons game. Now, over the first 60 or so chapters, we do get hits at the origins of the spirit and the puzzle from ancient Egypt and the other millennium items, as well as being introduced to Seto Kaiba and his love for the game of dual monsters and the blue eyes white dragon. Uh, now, if you grew up, if you're my age and grew up in the states in the early 2000s, you likely knew Yu-Gi-Oh mostly from this last bit, the Dual Monsters card game, which you know 
originally it was supposed to just be a one shot within the manga based off of you know it was called in the Japanese originally Wizards and Magic, uh, you know an homage to the Magic the Gathering card game which I actually play now. Um, before you know it became so popular um, and you know the rule set in the original one shot was kind were kind of vague honestly, um, but you know they ended up making a more concrete rule set and it became a, a card game on its own that's a monster in and of itself. Uh, from chapter sixty onward, the story would be all dual monsters all the time uh, with the Duelist Kingdom arc and Battle City. That's actually where I first came across Yu-Gi-Oh! When I recently moved to the States, you know, in about 2000 or so, I remember flipping through the channels and coming across the episode of Duelist Kingdom where I think uh, Yugi and Kaiba were playing a modified rule set um, on like these dual discs that Kaiba had made. Um, and the first monster I remember seeing is the Green Lajin, the mystical genie of the lamp. Now, of course, I know now that some of the rules of these early dual monsters games were kind of bullshit and like not really real games and it's kind of like more rule of cool than actual following any particular game system um and now being involved in the magic scene you know the decks being played are completely ridiculous that they would be any sort of competitive whatsoever um you know much less the fact of playing children's card games to you know decide the fate of the world but it is what it is um that didn't stop younger me though right um i know the difference you know i didn't know the difference and you know the cool of the anime was more than enough to get me to buy my own Yu-Gi-Oh cards or ask for them for Christmas or pick them up, you know, with my allowance uh, at Target and so on. I definitely have more than a few structured decks uh, still sitting around. I don't play the Yu-Gi-Oh card game anymore, like I said. Um, I'm more into Magic the Gathering now. Um, but I, in fact, got into Magic because in my college's anime club i would you know go meet some people and you know they were playing Yu-Gi-Oh. so you know i bought my old deck i bought some of their decks and some of them also played magic so you know they, that's what got me into there um you know of course you know going back uh to the manga uh i would go on to finish to read all of that um some of it out of order frankly speaking um but, you know, I ended up completing it all. Now, the anime definitely has some arcs that aren't in the anime, and I don't honestly remember all of the anime arcs uh, whatsoever. Um, and there are, of course, all the subsequent spinoffs as well, such as GX, 5D, Zexel, Arc 5, and Vates. I think the most recent is Sevens. Um, again, none of which I've fully seen. Um, I have seen the various movies, though, uh, Period of Light, Pyramid of Light and Dark Side of Dimensions. Um, and also worth noting, you know, the final arc does have some callbacks to the more forgotten the earlier arcs with you know the, the, the supernatural Dungeons and Dragons game uh, being played in order to help the spirit find his name within the Millennium Puzzle so um, you know definitely some good memories of Yu-Gi-Oh um, if only for the fact that it led me on my path of card games that eventually led me to playing Magic the Gathering and having another uh, podcast about Magic uh, the Gathering so Next up, you know, I've actually talked about these next two series uh, that are still currently running in Jump. Uh, technically, for one of them, still currently running, I guess, um, ish. Um, but, you know, I talked about them in my 2020 episode of Sword and Jump. Uh, these are, of course, One Piece by Ichiro Oda, beginning in issue 34 of 1997. And it's still ongoing with over a thousand chapters of across 98 volumes. And, of course, Hunter x Hunter, Togashi's series immediately after Yu Yu Hakusho, beginning in issue 18 of 1998 and still ongoing with 390 chapters so far somewhat irregularly the last chapter we've had came out uh, in the final issue 52 of 2018 now one piece follows the adventures of monkey d luffy uh, owner of the powers of the gum gum devil fruit and his crew of straw hat pirates as they traverse the world in search of the legendary treasure one piece in the quest to become king of the pirates 
Uh, meanwhile, Hunter Hunter follows a boy named Gon as he tries to become qualified as a hunter, uh, licensed powerful humans who can survive in dangerous areas of the world so that he can try and hunt down his father um, while making friends along the way and exploring the world and developing his own uh, you know, supernatural powers. I said a lot of my high school, uh, my high level thoughts of these series in my last weekly Soda Jump video episode. Um, so I won't repeat myself too much here aside from the fact that I, again, the main reason I love these, and frankly, most Soda Jump series are the world building and power systems, especially during combat. Um, you know, I don't remember quite when or where I came across these series and in what format. I think as I learned more about Yu Yu Hakusho, I learned and I researched and learned more about Hunter x Hunter's manga, uh, which I ended up reading first, though uh, I have gone back and watched the entirety of the 2011 remake of the anime. Um, as far as One Piece goes, I think when I came across Naruto and Bleach manga, I eventually found One Piece as the third member of the big three. I remember it liking it the least initially uh, of the three because, you know, of the unique art style that wasn't quite as cool per se uh, as Naruto or Bleach scene in terms of art style um, but I've definitely come around on it um, I still don't watch the anime for that one because there are just way too many episodes with some pretty atrocious pacing um, since you know long ongoing and almost caught up to the to the manga um, but I will say you know I do watch the anime movies whenever they come out here in the states and the recent Wano arc episodes have been pretty awesome I've been following those on Crunchyroll um, I did however However, you know, despite this, I did listen to all of the openings and endings of One Piece uh, via YouTube playlist back in high school for my studying music. Uh, the next series to start and jump after Hunter Hunter was Salmon King by Hiroyuki Takei. Now, Takei Sensei had actually done another series in the 90s, his first Butsu Zone that ran for 19 chapters in 1997 from issues 12 through 31. Uh, he would come back in issue 31 of 1998 uh, with Salmon King that would run for 285 chapters or 32 volumes across issue 40 uh, uh, through issue 40 of uh, 2004. Uh, the premise is that every 500 years, there is something called the Salmon Fight uh, to determine who will hold the title of Salmon King. Uh, the one individual can compete with the great spirit of the universe and save the future of the world. Uh, Yo Asakura, would, who, you know, who comes from a family of Salmons, you know, individuals who can interact with both the living and the dead, uh, you know, aims to become the Salmon King alongside his familiar spirit, the Samurai Amidamaru. Um, as with many others, series I've quoted here, the world building, particularly in the widely unique cast of characters with their own utilizations of the developed power system involving ghosts and spirits, um, you know, is what really appealed to me. Um, I particularly appreciated the multicultural and multiple and mythological, uh, different mythologies it pulled from, and I'm a bit of a sucker for mythology in general. Now, the original run of Salmon King actually got cut off a little bit early before what would have been the final arc, leaving us with kind of like a rust improvised ending. Uh, the reason was that, you know, Takai Sensei uh, had wanted to create kind of like a unique series that wasn't really like anything else in Jump, but, you know, due to fan demand and trying to meet their request, he became more and more typical of what a Sonin series was like, which he kind of became unhappy with. Um, so he ultimately chose to end the series. However, you know, in 2008, you know, about, you know, five or four or five years after the end of the uh, Salmon King in Italy, um, he came back and finished up the series in the Kanzen Bang perfect edition of the series, wrapping up with additional 15 chapters from the even 300. Um, there are also a number of spin-off series, you know, Salmon King Zero, focusing on the stories of the main characters uh, in their early years, and Salmon King Flowers, focusing on the stories of the children of the main characters. 
I think I started these when they got scanlated, but never quite finished them. Now, one thing is that in 2017, Kodansha, the competitor of Sonen Jump's parent company, Suesa, announced that they had acquired the Salmon King rights. Um, that's pretty nuts, actually, for a flagship Sonen Jump title to completely jump ship to another publisher. I'm not really sure what the reason is. I, I heard something about you know some bad blood between uh, the Salmon King author and, and, and Jump, but uh, I, I haven't been able to track down anything conclusive. Um, in any case, though, you know there were uh, another couple of other participant novels from Kodansa, um, you know, of, of Salmon King. It looks like he's still working in that universe, uh, though he apparently and these new spinoffs are keeping with the more artistic, unique style as opposed to the more typical Sonen stuff that he w- uh, was kind of forced into doing. Now, Salmon King was definitely one I remember reading in middle school, and I think I actually read the uh, the conclusion uh, in 2004 on Scanlation uh, when it came out and was really confused alongside everyone else. Um, now, I never actually, and I was incredibly hyped for when the Kanzen Bank chapters came out uh, when, you know, toward the end of my high school era. Now, I never actually watched the 64-episode manga, which I believe had an anime original ending, uh, but I do remember having the English dub Salmon King opening on my iPad at some point. And, you know, I'm just super excited for the MAPPA adaptation coming uh, to Netflix later this year. Um, I also do remember playing these Salmon King games on my Game Boy Advance. I think looking them up, they were Salmon King Master of Spirits, which is like a Metroidvania-style game, and then a Pokemon ripoff of Salmon King um, Legacy of Spirits, which had two different versions. Um, though, ter- you know, definitely not the most engaging gameplay um, and not lack the charm of Pokemon. Um, anyway, uh, keeping on the supernatural chain, the next series is Hikaru no Go, uh, written by Yumi Hota and illustrated by Takeshi Obata. Uh, beginning in issue 2 of 1999 and running through issue 23 of 2003 for 189 chapters and 23 volumes, it was also adapted to a 75-episode anime adaptation, which, again, I did not watch. Uh, while Obata-sensei is most well-known for his later collaborations with Tsugumi Oba, uh, such as Bakuman and Death Note, this isn't his first work in Jump. Uh, it was it was his breakout hit, though. Um, the story follows Hikaru's, Hikaru Shindo, who comes across a old go-board in his father's storage and gets possessed by the go- ghost of the go-board, um, a spirit from the Edo period who wants to play, quote, the divine move. So if you don't know what Go is, it's basically a strategy game where you use black and white pieces to try to capture territory. Uh, anyway, basically, this follows Hikaru's journey from complete Go noob with you know, a little bit of backseat coaching from his supernatural friend uh, to eventually find his own passion for the game and climb the ranks of the Go world, uh, in, including inadvertently giving another young Go prodigy an existential crisis at being beaten by a complete newbie. Um, anyway, this one definitely inspired me to pick up Go for a hot minute, though I, ne- I definitely never got that fascinatingly good. Um, though the recent surge of chess popularity on Twitch makes me wish Go would have its moment in the sun. Uh, anyway, you know, not too much to say here. I think my strongest memory, frankly speaking, is that I remember going back to the Philippines and getting a copy of Sonen Jump from a bookstore there. And there was this one chapter of, of Hikaru no Go that I just read over and over again when I came back to the States. Um, anyway, one fun fact. Uh, Obata actually served as mentor for Watsuki, you know, Roni Kenshin's mangaka, when Watsuki served at, and uh, when he was an assistant for some of Obata's earlier works in the earlier 90s. Um, in turn, Watsuki would go on to employ both Oda uh, and uh and Take as assistants for Roni Kenshin uh, when they first started, and 
you know, in Jump before you know they would go on to start One Piece and Salmon King respectively. So it's kind of cool how in this period of Jump, uh, you know, this this '90s period, you see a lot of like the heavy hitters having these close relationships and influencing each other's style. Now, aside from briefly checking out a few chapters of Prince of Tennis here and there, which started in issue 32 of 1999 and ended in issue 14 of 2008, the last series I need to talk about is, of course, uh, Naruto by Masashi Kishimoto. Uh, this one began in issue 43 of 1999 and ended 15 years later in, in issue 50 of 2014, 700 chapters exactly with 72 volumes. One of the big three of Shonen Jump manga here in the West, alongside Bleach uh, from the 2000s and the aforementioned One Piece, you'd think based on my username, you know, this would be my favorite manga. Um, ironically, I actually resisted getting into Naruto all through middle school when my friends would talk about Jutsu and stuff at lunch. Um, however, on a trip back to the Philippines between middle and high school, I ended up catching some of the Chunin Exam arc episodes on, in Tagalog. I had no idea what was going on. I was so confused by Ino and Sakura, uh, two ninjas with the same headband from the head leaf, for, with the same leaf symbol on it, which presumably meant they were on the same side, uh, ended up fighting each other. And I believe I also did catch the uh, the, the, rock, the famous Rock Lee Gara episodes. Again, though, in Tagalog, I had no idea what was going on. Um, then on that trip back on the way on that same trip on the way home from the Philippines back here, back to my to the East Coast, uh, we stopped to visit some relatives on the West Coast, and you know my my I think extended cousins or maybe friends of family I'm not entirely sure. Anyway, they introduced me and my siblings to the first few I think 25 episodes of Naruto or so. We just binged through the entire Zabuza arc basically, uh, which led to you know massive binging later on at the local library and online, uh, rap1manga.com. Now, you know, another anime episode that really sticks out in my head uh, was at this Filipino party at Halloween. Someone had on the Choji episode uh, where he gets his blue butterfly wings. Um, and, you know, I, I, I was definitely, I don't think, up to that point. I might have, not, I might have not even started watching the, the or reading the anime at that, point, at that point. I'm not entirely sure what the timeline is for this one, but that episode definitely still sticks in my head as well. Um, anyway, I, I, I've talked about Naruto a bunch, assuming you know most of you know what it is. Just in case, though, you know Naruto is about the titular ninja Naruto, who strives to become the leader of the ninja village, the Hokage, despite the prejudice against him because of the demon stocks sealed in his body as a baby. And it's kind of his coming of age story in this you know very vast world of ninjas and jutsu. Now, arguably, I would say this is probably the series, after Yu Yu Hakusho, of this era that defined what Shonen Jump series would be, especially for modern-day mangaka, taking so much inspiration from this story, um, as well as, you know, the character designs and the world development and power systems. Again, power systems always being something I look forward to. Um, I know I went deep into learning different different things about from the Naruto universe, such as how to make origami shuriken, or how to learn the hand signs, how to do summonings, you know, the names of the different jutsu. And I even made my own original characters and powers, such as I am not going to tell you guys about. Um, but you know, like One Piece, you know, I I never really got to watch all of the Naruto episodes after you know those initial twenty five or so. Um, and aside from catching a couple here and there, especially when I went back to the Philippines, um, you know, there are twenty two, there are two hundred twenty episodes of the original series and five hundred from the Shippuden second half, uh, both with a fair bit of filler. Uh, that being said, you know, I did listen to a bunch, like with One Piece, uh, of the openings as my study music to this day Haruka Kanada Fighting Dreamers remember all of them being my jams um, I even have a lot of the music in my playlist on Spotify now which I can go which I go running to sometimes um, I even got some of the video games to play uh, I forget which ones exactly uh, against my siblings you know in a, in a very basic fighting game 
Now, after graduating from college, I did try to check out the Naruto movies in theaters whenever they came out here, and one of my biggest uh, nerd moments was actually watching the debut of the Boruto Naruto movie in 2015 at New York Comic Con with Masashi Kishimoto Sensei in attendance. I know that Boruto is definitely a thing now, though I, I dropped the manga, frankly speaking, after a little bit, and also the anime as well, after a few chapters and episodes respectively, and haven't been keeping up. Um, still, Naruto will always have a soft spot in my heart, um, as well as, you know, it, importance for the wider manga scene in general um especially you know when when the, when the, i remember when the series ended shortly after, after graduate college it just definitely felt like the end of an era like i was really growing up and my childhood was ending to some degree uh, anyway, that's my trip down memory lane of my interaction with various Shonen Jump series of the 90s. Uh, maybe for some of these, I might go back and do a more in-depth episode at some point, but this is something incredibly nostalgic about this era of Jump. These, alongside Full Metal Alchemist and, I will admit, Fairy Tale, uh, are definitely my memories of what I read, among other things, during middle school and high school, and frankly saved me into the kind of weeb I am today. Heck, I still mostly read Jump manga more so than watch the anime, despite the name of this podcast. Uh, and I always love a good, you know, Battle Sonin series. Um, of course, you know, there's still many, many more eras to cover. Um, you know, since I've been reading Jump more or less continuously, uh, with the 2010s having, you know, a ton of good series, and even some of the 2000s, like Bleats. Um, the older decades may be a little bit trickier for me to cover, but we'll see what I can do, especially whenever I catch up to JoJo. Uh, anyway, with that, that's the end of this episode. Uh, let me know what your favorite 90s Jump manga were, and if there are any that I missed out on. Uh, you can let me know what your favorite were on Twitter at YetAnnoAnnePod, or via email at YetAnotherAnimePodcast at gmail.com. You can follow my mail at NinjaBoy333, boy with an I. Uh, we are found on all major podcast services, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review, or at the very least, share it with another anime-loving friend. Anything helps. Uh, if you want to be more directly support the show, you can do so on Patreon.com. Links to all of those in the show notes. Intro and outro music provided by Suichi Sakagami at Tandas.com, and editing and production is provided by NinjaBoy Media. That's it for this episode. We air on the first and third Fridays of each month. Uh, next time on the another anime podcast we do our recap of the 2021 season and give our grades for how all the different shows did uh, until then though see you space cowboy <laughs>